this week's parsha is parsha's Vayishlach, and today it's going to be tangentially related to the parsha. We have the fight that Yaakov Avinu has with uh, with the Malach, with the angel Sarshal Esav, and uh, just in general, there's a discussion at the beginning of parsha's Vayero. There's a machloekis, there's a dispute between the Ramban and the Rambam on whether or not human beings are able to see angels, whether they could see Malachim or not. The Rambam holds that they can't because uh, Malach is a spiritual and, and, and the, the, a person doesn't have the Caleb, doesn't have the vessels, doesn't have the tools to be able to see a Malach because it's a physical being. And the Ramban says, no, the Malachim are able to dress themselves in a way that a, they're able to dress themselves in a way that, a, that, a, um, that they could see a Malach. So it comes out that according to the, according to the uh, Ramban, the story in Paris Vayera with the three guests who were angels actually happened. And according to the Rambam, it didn't happen. According to the Rambam, it was all in the vu, it was all a prophecy. Because uh, it couldn't happen. Because Avram Avinu would not be able to encounter them. So we have the same issue in our parsha with, with, uh, with Yaakov who was um, with this Malach with this angel, uh, you know, we would have the same discussion on whether or not it was a prophecy or it actually happened. But it says he sent three angels. Um, Yaakov sent... No, when he, has the f- when, he, when, he, when he has the fight with the angel. Or when he said, well, okay, fine. Right, sorry, it says he sends Shalosh Malachim. So he's got to be able to... How do they get around that? Right, so, so all of those, the Rambam will say, all of those stories, the Rambam will say, all of those stories are, um, whatever there's a Malach involved, the Rambam will say, it's in the Vu, it's not real, if it's a Malach. Whatever Parsha it's in, okay. right? Whether Yaakov is having a fight with a Malach, whether if he's, if he's meeting Malachim, if he's seeing Malachim, or angels, or anything like that. That's going to be... What? I was going to say, Bilam, he the, the angel tells him that... Correct. That would, be, that would also be, according to the Rambam, that would also be a prophecy. And the Akeda was a prophecy then? What? But for the Akeda, when they stopped Abraham's hand, was Correct. There? Correct. The Rambam will have to learn that that was a... That was a maybe, maybe he... went to Shecht uh, Yitzchak, but his interaction with the Malach would be a prophecy. Right. Right, okay. So, fine. So anyway, but that, that's neither here nor there. I'm just bringing this up because, uh, because obviously there are worlds that are going on that we don't see. Since everybody's learning the Tanya, I want to counterbalance that a little bit with the Nevzachayim, okay? So I want to read the Nevzachayim a little bit about Tzimtzum, which seems to be the main topic of the Tanya, and um, expound on Nevzachayim a little bit to give, to give perspective of where the Nevzachayim is coming from regarding the Tanya, in my opinion, at least. So he says like this. This is Shar Gimel, Perak Aleph, chapter 1. The Nevzachayim says like this. Mashikos of Khan Lemokam. HaKodesh Baruch Hu is called Mokam, the place. 
Nochein, it says, Ba'avos Amru, it says in Pirki Avos, it says, Ukisha'ata mispala la'atas tefilas chakeva, when you daven, do not make your, your davening set, Elarachmim v'tachtunim, v'tachtunim, it should be mercy and supplication, l'fnei ha'mokam baruchu, in front of HaKosh Baruch And again, they're calling him Makam. Mishnah says in Berkia, he's called a Makam. So here the, the, the Nefesh HaChaim says, Ram Zuzal Beteves Makam Le'inyan Gado. The reason why Chazal, the rabbis are calling Hashem Makam, is it's a remez, it's a hint to something which is a tremendous matter, a great matter. And we need an explanation for the depth of this intention word and how to explain the verses. And he says, Here comes the warning. Before we even start the discussion, the warning. It says in Pirkei Avos, chapter 2, Mishnah 15, all of the words of Chazal are like the, like, like, like the balls of fire. Like, like uh, what do they call them, balls of fire? Mount of Caucasus? Yeah. Shekemar just like a coal, coals of fire. She'avshelon nivra bar, rak nitzutz eish, all it has in it is just a spark of a fire, im tasim if you blow on it, lahavcha, ulinavcha, if you blow on it, koshitinavcha yoisa, tislaibi, tispashi bainitus. The more you blow on it, the more it starts to burn. Achitiasa kula locheshis until it becomes a flame, the whole thing is burning. And then you could use it, you could cook food with it, or you can have, you can be, warm yourself up with it. However, you should know that once it burns, you can enjoy it by standing opposite it, but not grabbing it. Because if you grab it, you'll burn yourself. Then you have to be careful that you don't burn yourself. So too, when we engage in the words of the Chachamim, in our example, when we're calling HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mokam, it's simple, it's a coal that's not, that, that has a spark in it, it's not hot, right? It's like a hammer that breaks. Once you look at it deeply, then it's like you're blowing on the coal. Then a person's eyes begin to shine from the great flame that comes out of this coal. The more you look, the deeper it looks of matters that are extremely deep. Like Another mission says in Pirkei chapter 5, the more you turn it over, the more you'll see that everything is in it. 
And here he says like this. He says, A person has to be very careful with these coals. That a person shouldn't probe or ponder or think about things that there wasn't permission to ponder them more than necessary. Okay? Like it says in the Mishnah Pekiyavis that we mentioned. A person should warm themselves by the light of the Chachamim. Of course, a person has to think about the principles that they say. Of course. But because if he doesn't, and he doesn't come close to them, but yeah, a person has to be careful that they don't come too close. So if you stand too far, you're going to freeze to death. If you come too close, you'll burn to death. So every person has to keep a healthy distance. That's what the Mishnah means. A person should be careful with their, with their flame. This is the introduction to the word Mokom that's used to describe Hashem. The word Mokom also. Hagam move in the simple explanation we understand. If we look at this very carefully, we will see that there is a deeper matter than just a simple explanation of it. It says in Bereshis Rabbah, on the Pasuk that we had last week, Pasha Samaches, that Yaakov Avinu happened on the place. That's what it says. Bereshis 28.11 Why, says the Medrash, do we call Hashem Mokom? And here we begin the discussion after all the warnings. Why do we call HaKosh Baruch Hu Mokom? Is because he is the place of the universe, and his world is not his place. In other words, if we say that we're in Arizona, right, for example, we're in Arizona. So Arizona is the place that we're in. Arizona is our place. Arizona is not within us. We are in Arizona. So Arizona is our place. But by HaKadosh Baruch it's not like that. HaKadosh Baruch is not in Arizona. He's not in the universe. The universe is in him. So he's called the Mokom because, because he is the place of the universe where the universe is. Where is the universe? It's, in, it's If we could say it like that, it's in HaKadosh Baruch right? So now all of a sudden, says the, the, the Nem Zachayim, Things are getting very complicated. Right? All of these, all of these, Midrashim. Um, Hashem, Hine Mokam Iti, the Mokam is with me. Shmois 33, 21. Asra Tefei the land is 
um, subordinate to me. Vein, I need tofel asri. I am not subordinate to the land, etc. That's what it says in the Medrash in Tehillim, Mizmor 90. Really, if toy, the simple explanation is, Let's say like this, we have a table. So we have a box on the table. So what? The, 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 the box is holding, the box is being held by the table. So that means that the, the box, what's the box's place? Its pedestal is the table, right? So the simple is, is that a Baruch is like a table. The same way that the table holds the box. So to came with the means there. Habor Adam called Koiz Bach Shimoi, who are Makam Amita, so Makamalam Swabi is Kulam. He is the one who's holding up all the universes. Shim Chas Visholim Yisali Kochomeyam Afregachas, if he removes his power from them even for a second, in other words, if he removes the table, all the worlds would cease to exist. And that's what we say in Nehemiah 9.6, you give sustenance to all of them. Yeah? I'm thinking from this morning, there was Kaif, that he sort of surrounds, it's not as much as supporting as envelops, envelops. Right, right, right. He talks about, right, because the, the Rebbe over there is talking about the difference between, he's trying to describe the difference between uh, uh, revelation and envelopment, whether he, the, diff, the different gradations of his presence as far as our perception is concerned. Right? So now the Nefesh Chaim in this chapter, the beginning, he's talking about the first level. First level is the simple explanation. Kushbach's the table, the universe is sitting on top of the table. Right, This is one of the foundational principles of Judaism. Like the Rambam writes at the beginning of his book. Um, so now, and then he quotes the Zohar Kodesh. Let's go to the next chapter. That's chapter one. Chapter two. I'm not... The deeper explanation is as follows. This is something which is very um, great. The nickname that Hashem has as being the place of the universe. This is the, the analogy that we made of a table with a box on top of it, is incorrect. It's the simple visual outlook of it, but it's not correct, really. Because Because what? Because like this. If you have a box that's sitting on top of the table, the table exists on its own. It's independent. And the box that sits on it is also independent. The two independent things, one sits on top of the other. Each one, everything has an existence on its own. 
The reason why the box doesn't break is not because the table is giving it any sustenance, but it's because it is the, it sits on top of it. And if it would fall, then it would break on, on the floor when it falls. So to, we would say the neshama gives the body life. As long as the neshama is in the body, the body survives. But the body is its own independent entity. Right? The body has its own independent entity. When the neshama leaves the body, the body is still there. It doesn't cease to exist. It's just that it's as if it breaks. Just like when you take away the table and leave the box and the box falls. However, all of the universes call That's not how this works. All of the universes, their entire existence, every single second, is by the life force of their Hashem. Hashem is putting them into existence every single second. And that's why they're there. If his will for them to exist would be eradicated, it would be taken away. Then they would be nothing. And with this, Nebuchadnezzar is equal with the Rebbe, with the Tanya. Right? Nobody can really understand this. It's, it's not that... Um, let's just get back to our analogy so we clarify how the analogy is different from the simple way that we presented it. Right? And that is, is that the table sits here and the box sits on top of it. The table doesn't give the boxes molecular structure. It's, it's, it's life force. You know, it's, it's, it's solid makeup. Uh, the, the, the proximity of the molecules next to each other. The existence of the actual box. The actual box exists independently of the table. It's just that the table is holding it up. The table, it's the place of the box. If you take away the table, the independent entity of the box itself will fall and break. That's not how this works. HaKodesh Baruch Hu is not a table that holds up the box. HaKodesh Baruch Hu is the life force behind every single molecule in the box. It's not that you take away the table and then the box falls. It's that HaKodesh Baruch Hu removes the life force from every molecule in the box and then the box ceases to exist. Disappears. Disappears. That's what it means that it's, he is the place. It's not that he is a place, meaning that he's a container that contains within it objects. He is the place that the objects that's contained within it are in existence because he wills them to be so. He doesn't contain them at all. He is the life force behind their existence. Right? That's the analogy that he's making. They are all essentially nothing. They are only existing because they are coming from Hashem. 
This is why the rabbis decided to call Hashem Mokom, because they thought that the closest description that would be, that would, would make the simpleton understand what they're saying, and also the sophisticate understand what they're saying with this word. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which one are we? We, 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 we? we are the one that we choose to be. Are we the simpletons? Or we well, I, I assume that since we're reading the book that we're probably... Um, <laughs> we're probably... We're probably... Because we're reading the book. Okay, okay. What? We're on the spectrum. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So he says like this. He says that um she av shikah gozu khakhmosa yizbarakh litin mitsios lo ilamo even though Hashem decreed to give reality to his world but even she yila ko sekhlasi ekhu am shokhasi sabis mimen yizbarakh shimoy korega in such a way that if anybody would absorb absorb the world they would get tired to trying to figure out where Hashem is, right? And therefore, every single person that looks at it would naturally think that the world is an independent existence on its own. Therefore, the rabbis are lighting up our minds to say that Hashem is Mokom. He is the place. The same way that the vessel stands on, on, on a pedestal or a table, even though the vessel itself has its own reality. If the vessel would not have a place to stand on, it would be as if it doesn't exist. We can sense the world, we can touch it, we can smell it in itself. Still, Hashem is its place. If Hashem would not decide that the world should exist, then they should all be also not like that. Now, the reason why I bring this up, this Nevesh HaChayim, is because um, I want to talk about a little bit the end of the Tanya and how, the, how maybe we'll get back to the Nevesh HaChayim, but at the beginning, in the first chapter, we said that the Nevesh HaChayim says this idea is dangerous. Okay? This idea is dangerous. The idea of the idea of Hashem being a mokom, right, and the tzimtzum that we're talking about, he says it's dangerous. Now, I want to describe why I think it's dangerous from the perspective of what the Tanya says. I think that one of the larger themes in the Tanya is, is that this, this, this idea of tzimtzum is all interconnected. At a certain point, the Tanya says, right? The Tanya says like this. The Tanya says 
that the, the, the Tanya says that a person who fears Hashem, he looks at the sky and he sees the sun and the moon. And he says, um, he looks at the sky, he, he sees the sun and the moon, and he says, I fear Hashem because he's in control of it. He controls uh, the sun and the moon. Yeah? That's a person who fears Hashem. However, a person um, who loves Hashem understands the idea that we just described. He understands that the Rabbana Shilailam not only controls the sun and the moon, but the sun and the moon are, 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 a, are being powered by Hashem's existence. And if he wouldn't uh, give them power, they would cease to exist. So he loves Hashem because he's not, a, it's more of a love because he sees in the world, he sees the reality, he sees the reality, he sees the reality of Hashem in the world. If Hashem is animating everything, then why does Yaakov wake up and say, I didn't know that Hashem was in this place and builds in this bay? Because maybe at that point, Yaakov does not reach that level yet. Maybe. Right? You're supposed to work up to see that. But... But he had already talked with Hashem about... I understand. I understand. Right. I mean, I hear. I don't know the real answer to that. Wasn't it? I don't know if we're talking about the same conversation with Hashem. Or, wasn't that the place where the, the the world contracted under Yaakov? Or? Yes. Well, at least, yeah. Or it's Israel, at least, yeah. The so world. That, that has a kind of a... I can see where Hamakam would fill in there, right? It's almost like... There's no constriction of time and place for God, so he's, he's everything and everywhere. I don't, know. I don't know if that's your question. Correct, correct. So we're saying that uh, Yaakov may not be perceiving him from that perspective, maybe. Or maybe Yaakov is perceiving him from... Uh, maybe Yaakov is perceiving him from the perspective that he would perceive him in if he was a regular person or something like that, maybe. You know, because the Rebbe does acknowledge that HaKosh Baruch Hu's will is to reveal himself uh, with, with gradations in certain places. So maybe Yaakov is saying, I see Hashem in both ways, but I didn't know that this depth of gradation of his revelation was here also that this was the will of Hashem, that he should be revealed here in this way too. Something like that. Mm. Anyway, so, 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 but a person who really loves Hashem, he says, right? This is a progression through the Tanya, in my opinion. He says, 
he sees that the sun and the moon is just a lavush. Not only is it being powered by the Rabban Shalom, but it's also being, it's just clothing. It is the Rabban Shalom, but it's just clothed in a, in a mirage or an appearance of a sun and a moon. But then he takes it even further. He said at the end, the last chapter, the Tanya says that the true, the most, uh, what is it? The most, um, the most acute love of Hashem is, is that a person loses his desire to exist. He doesn't want to live anymore. Right? Because what does he need this fake uh, mirage of a world for? If, if the, it, all it is is just the rebunish and any sense of anything that he perceives of reality is just, is just uh, clothing and interposition between him and Hashem. So he wants to be attached to Hashem. He doesn't want to be in this world because he doesn't want to have the physicality of this world. He compares it to a, 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 a candle. He says a candle and a wick. He says the flame is the neshama and it's on the wick. And the wick is getting burnt with the oil, right? And the oil is the mitzvahs in the Torah, I think, if I remember correctly. So the oil is the mitzvahs in the Torah. And the wick is getting burnt. What is the wick? The wick is like the guf, the body, if I remember this correctly. So you have to negate the body. You have to burn it in order for the flame to, to, to go up. And what eventually happens to the candle? The flame goes up and the wick disappears, the flame, the candle wants to put itself out. So to a person. And that's how he ends the, that's how he ends the first section of the Likute Amar, right? So in my opinion, what's happening here is, is that, is that the, the idea of Tintum, the idea of Tintum leads to the understanding that there is no symptom at all. There's no contraction. There's no concealment. Maybe there's concealment, but of course, Baruch was there. Right? Um, and then, once you realize that all it is is a concealment or a contraction, then you don't even want to live. Then, then, you, then the, what, what do you need it for? And then you don't want to even live. So why are you living? Because there's a mitzvah to live. V'chai bam. Because really you don't want to live. But the Rabbani Shalom made you a mitzvah that you should live. So therefore, for the Rabbani Shalom who you don't want to live, you're not going to listen to his mitzvah to say that you should live. Are you making this conclusion? This is my comment. This, this is all my opinion. I'm not blaming this on anybody else. No, no, no. But I want to say even more like this. I want to say even more like this. Let's say like this. What is concealment anyway? Right? What is concealment anyway? Okay, let's, let's take this safer right here. This is the Rabbani Shalom for the Amashim. This safer sitting on this table is the Rabbanishan. Now I take another safer. I put it on top of it. So now the table, the, 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 the safer is being, uh, the Rabbanishan is being concealed by the safer. Meaning what? That the Rabbanishan is really here, the sun. Is the Rabbanishan the is behind the sun, but he's concealing himself in the sun. Now, what is the sun that's concealing Hashem? It's also the sun. So he's concealing himself with what? With himself. 
So that means that if I think about this deeply enough, then I come to the conclusion that nothing exists. And then why should I exist? You know what I'm saying? So therefore, the, 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 this is what the Nevesh HaChaim is saying. The Nevesh HaChaim is saying that what we began with is that we have to be very careful with this idea. We have to be very careful with this idea that this is like a coal, this is like a conflagration that, that when it gets out of control, it can burn us completely. And therefore, there is a point at which we are not allowed to get too close. Not because, you know, there's somebody like holding us with a whip uh, and saying, you're not allowed to do this, right? But because, because if we get too close, we automatically get burnt, euphemistically speaking, by the idea itself. So Chazal are trying to express us the idea, but at the same time, the mission says in Pirkei it's like a coal. If you're too far away from this idea, you freeze. If you're too close to this idea, you burn. So they have to be kept a distance. Now, what's the distance that you have to keep? We're going to say in a minute. Seven yeah. Meters. Yeah. But that's, there's a difference between concealing and failing to perceive. And if there's a spark, spark is there, whether we perceive it or not. They, they appeared, Hashem appeared in front of Abraham. Hashem was always there. Hashem, the, the well appeared, or the angel appeared in front of Hagar. They're always here. It's, I think it's more of a failure to perceive than Hashem concealing. Even the Simpson, the drawing isn't. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that you are part of this concealment. Is this, is our ego, right? Where either if it's forgetfulness or if it's ego, you will at some point just come back to the idea that you're in control of your life, right? And we all have an ego, and therefore, even though you could 99.9999% believe that God is everywhere, you still have this mini part of you that's going to believe that either A, is not there, or B, that you're in control. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't, I, if, if, if someone says, well, how come we're not all suiciding and trying to get to God? You know, I think that has a component and that's part of this concealment algorithm that Hashem has. Okay, however it works, I think it's just in the, the, way, that I, the way that we are saying it. But I can see you. The way that we are saying it, I think, I think it's more than just perception. You know, we're born and Hashem, even the Rebbe says this, that Hashem is, um, that Hashem is himself actively concealing himself. It's not just like if we would just see. Hashem is actually trying to conceal himself. Right. Now, let's just read a little bit more Nev before we run out of time. Oh, we don't have time. Oh, we only have like, we do have a few minutes. I, my class starts at 8.15. We have a few minutes, yeah? Let's read a little bit more, whatever time. Chapter 3, in the middle of chapter 3, he says like this. The same shot. 
Amnum Karigdam, we already prefaced Varenu, Shimshilu Devreim Kholeish, that their words are like fire. Shizarim Elbukachatim, person should be very careful with the fire. Shalikonis is born of Lakri or Simidai. Person shouldn't think about this too much. But Varim Shin Rishusun Sunna is born of Chasvisholam. The Yichve Chasvisholam. That a person shouldn't think about this too much and get burnt. Vachenu Zeh Hainyan Hainoira, so to this matter. This matter is only being said to a person who is wise, who will understand the matter. In order to be able to daven properly, he will be able to light up his heart to daven properly. But to think about this too much is very dangerous. That's what it says in the book of Yitzira. If your heart runs, come back. I'm skipping, uh, skipped one line. I would not even speak about this at all if I had my option. Because the Rishonim didn't even speak about it. Rishonim. He says the first ones. Rishonim means a certain period. That he only spoke about this at hint. Etc. And then he says like this. Um, skipping more. Let's skip a little more. Chapter. Let's, let's uh, skip to chapter 5. For example. He says like this. No, I don't want to do chapter 5. I think we're in chapter 6. Chapter 6 is like this. Vine, call ye soide Torah kudoshi b'chol asaris v'amitzis kula. Our Torah and all of the mitzvahs is asay velos asay. They are positive commandments and negative commandments. Kul mochei api zoysa mechina. They go from the this following distinction that we make. And this is the approach of the, of the Nefshah Chaim. This is his approach. And some people want to say that uh, the Vilna Gaon doesn't, doesn't agree with that, but I think that the Vilna Gaon and, 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 and uh, Nev Shechayim agree, in my opinion, but that's, that's a different discussion. Like you were saying, Eric, from our, this is the way we're supposed to approach it. From our perception, there's a world out there. There's Uganda, there's Israel, there's Arizona, there's a Lulav, there's an Esrug, <coughs> there's a bathroom, there's a shul, there's a Besamedrish. In the Besamedrish, in the Shul, we are obligated to speak in Torah and to Daven. But in the bathroom or dirty places, it's prohibited to speak in Torah. Even though you could say, well, the Rabbani Shalom is everywhere. From our perspective, he's not there. He is not in the bathroom. So the Vilna Goyim and Nev Shachayim are saying, Simtu means that from our perception, the Rabboni Shalom actually removed himself. He is not here at all. The, he is not behind the sun. He is not behind the moon. He is not in a bathroom, from our perception. From his perception, he is. But from our perception, the way we're supposed to live life with Torah and mitzvahs, he is not there at all. And all of the things that the Torah commands us to do, 
Because it would be that if we would look at the perspective in the other way, the way that the, and I'm, I'm not saying, the way that I understood the Rebbe finishes it, and ne- not necessarily the way the Rebbe is saying it, but the way that somebody may understand the Rebbe. I don't want to get into a fight with anybody or, you know, have be struck down by lightning in a Shemaim, you know what I'm saying? But, but a person who looks at it from this perspective will say, what do I need? There's no Tyra. Rabbanu is everywhere. But if you say Rabbanu is everywhere, then there's no Tyra. Because then there's no distinction between where I learn Tyra and where I don't learn Tyra. Where I do this mitzvah, where I don't do that mitzvah. And that's why I don't want to live. What, what do I need to live for? Right? who understands himself, he is in every place. Without any interposition. He is the sun, he is the moon. Before the ex nihilo came into existence, he is there and there is nothing else there from his perspective. We cannot and are not permitted, he says, we are not allowed to think about this for the reason that we just explained. Because it's going to lead us to no Torah, no mitzvahs, no world. This is the how to, to try to understand how is it possible that we exist and at the same time there are Bonshams everywhere. This is also the dichotomy that Rambam says in Hilfus Chuva, in my opinion. That the Rambam says we cannot reconcile free will with Akush Baruch's knowledge of the future. Right? Even though they discuss it over there, they discuss it Yantiv and they have answers to Yantiv and Pirkiavos on uh, what do you call it? Uh, that uh, the, the mission says in Pirkiavos, the mission says are called Sofa, everything is foreseen, but free will is still given, right? And then he tries, endeavors to explain it, then the Ravi tries to explain it, all the Rishon tries to explain it, but the Rambam says there's no uh, solution to this dichotomy. What does the Rambam mean? The Rambam means like this that from our perspective, we have free will. Period. When we choose something, we chose and we're responsible for our actions. From a Kodesh Baruch's perspective, maybe we don't. We don't know. Our conception is that he knows everything. And he knows the future, he knows the present, he knows everything. At the same time, we don't know how that works with the fact that from our perspective, we have free will. And that's what the Rebbonish all wants. Hashem wants it that the way it should be that way. That's the exact same, I think it's the exact same um, a concept. concept. It's the exact same concept of the Nebuchadnezzar Chaim is saying of how to approach this. So I'm saying like, the, like in my opinion, and I, I admit, and we'll conclude with this, I admit that I haven't spoken to like a lot of people who read the Tanya and read the, the Nebuchadnezzar Chaim and this and that. And I, you know, I don't know what people think. But my opinion is, I think that the whole idea of Tzimtzum, no matter where it's found and whatever safer, and the whole Chalik base and the end of, 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 of the, the, what do you call it? The whole, the whole Chalik base, at least the beginning, the Shara Yichud Amuna that we were just reading. The, the, the whole theme of it is, this, is the discussion of this. But in my opinion, one has to be careful with this discussion because it can lead to places that are not tyrannic. Well, it comes back to the idea of, you know, that people shouldn't study Kabbalah at 40, right? That they have to kind of live their life without these 
sublime concepts. Right. And then maybe at 40, once either they become parents or grandparents, and they've established their lives, that they can, they can absorb this in a normal way. But right. not only being 40, it's also about being a Talmud Chacham, right? That you've, right. you've learned all those things. It's, it, that's why it was typically not accessible to most people. That being right. said, we live in exceptional times where we need right. exceptional tools to... I mean, if you look at the internet, you look at your phones, they have completely enveloped you in terms of... There's no more privacy, there's no more secrets, there's no right, more... Right, it's taking over. So you need this extra tool of understanding, you know, that there's a... Right. There's a con, the con, there's a Hashem that's as big is bigger than the internet. But I think that this is also the reason why the Nevzachayim, in my opinion, also, I think this is why the Nevzachayim is fundamental. This is a classic in 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 in, in our literature, because the Nevzachayim is the foundation of of of. Um, you know, we just we just took a little bit excerpts here and there, but if you read the whole thing. It's 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 a, it's a it's a fundamental approach of how to understand, of how to understand like um, Jewish practice, Yiddishkeit, foundational uh, stability of of uh, of the of of, uh, of these issues. So yeah, I, I I don't know how I hear it, and I think I think we can live within the confines of a. The classroom rules, if you want to call that. Yeah. But when it comes to disease, war, you know, then we're just confronted with this other power that's that's just we're hoping is gonna control the situation. Okay, we have we listen, we have literature that deals with all of this. We have a whole book in Tanakh that deals with this, even say for Eof. You know, so with all the commentaries that come with it. It's like yeah. over 40 chapters. Of yeah, yeah, I don't mind that, but what do you, how are you dealing with it? How are you... It, 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 knowledge is power, man. If you understand, if you understand you're praying to how the us, world you're works. You're praying to an entity that you feel need, is in control of the world and can alter the normal path of what's going to happen, right? It's, so you are starting to say, or there oh, is no normal control. Path. Or there is no normal path. Or the path that you perceive to be normal is not the normal one. Whatever. When a person is educated as a proper perspective, that's what the, that's what the, the Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato says in his introduction to, to the, uh, his book, The Der Hashem, The Way of God. He says that we might not be able to understand every single specific issue, but we, when we have the general picture, then we're comfortable with, with the knowledge of how the world actually works. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, Rebbe, maybe he did know. I'm talking about the, the modern Lubavitcher Rebbe. Like, he may not have known, but he, but he would get letters about the Holocaust. He, he would say, you know, there's just some things we're not meant to understand or know. Sure. It's a Gemara. The Gemara Brachas and Davzayin. The Gemara says that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu could not figure out, you know, Tzadik Varala. That's, that's a whole topic. Tzadik for what? Tzadik Varala. Why do bad things happen to good people? Jonathan Sachs knows. Yeah. All right. Let's stop here. Okay, Thank you, Rabbi.